The county election official told me that they didn't anticipate this turnout, but a lot of folks here say that is not a good excuse. No, it is not. How could they have not anticipated that? We've been warning about it. For months. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the On Election Day from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK. 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, and in Cottage Grove on KSO, and in Eugene on KEPW. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for ya. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com on the long-awaited Midterm 2018 Election Day. Glad you could join us for it. Uh, also joining us for it is the delightful Desi Doyen. Hi, Des. <laughs> hey. If nothing else, if everything else goes sideways, there's always you and the Green News Report. Yes, that is something to look forward to today. Even on an election day. Indeed. There you go. So that is coming up in a little bit. But uh, we are now uh, smack dab in the middle of voting as we go to air here. There are... Who could have who who could have foreseen it? Messes all over the country as Americans are fighting like hell to vote, even before the fight like hell to have those votes counted and counted accurately in a way that we can all know they have been counted accurately. We'll be talking about that with my guest in a little bit. There are now three states according to early voting totals, where the early vote is larger than the entire vote, both early and Election Day back in 2014. That would be Texas, Nevada and Arizona, all three of which have big U.S. Senate races that a lot of people are watching very closely, including Nevada and Arizona, where uh, Democrats hope to flip Republican seats to Democratic seats in the U.S. Senate and maybe even down in the great state of Texas. Reed Wilson at The Hill writes that turnout is up not a little, but by a lot. Younger voters and older voters, whites and non-whites, Democrats and Republicans, though groups that favor Democrats, he notes, are up by a higher percentage in early voting, generally speaking. According to Mike McDonald's election project, at least 
38.1 million people voted early or by absentee so far in 2018. That is nearly 150 percent of the totals from uh, early voting totals from 2014. He notes that uh, those numbers are likely to go higher as there uh, will be more reporting of Monday's activity before Tuesday's Election Day coming in the days ahead. And there are states that continue to accept postmarked uh, ballots that are postmarked by Election Day, for example, out here in California, where they are accepted even if they arrive some 72 hours after Election Day, so long as they are postmarked by Election Day. McDonald notes that uh, more than 30 states surpassed their 2014 total early uh, early voting numbers. So it's kind of hard to imagine how election officials would not know the type of crowds that they were going to be seeing on Election Day on Tuesday. I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, just a, a few more data points here from some of the early and absentee uh, voting turnout. Turnout for young voters was way up, way up above the uh, increase in voters for uh, of, of, for older voters. In other words, 18 to uh, 39 year olds, for example, in Arizona, 18 to 29 year olds are up 186 percent. 30 to 39 year olds are up 148 percent in early voting. We'll see if that remains the case on Election Day. Hispanic voters were up 115 percent in Arizona, whereas white voters were only up 53 percent in Arizona as compared to the last midterms in 2014. Similar numbers also in Florida, where they have uh, a closely watched uh, gubernatorial race and U.S. Senate race. Uh, there, 18 to 29 year olds were up 130 percent. In Georgia, the numbers of young voters were through the roof as far as the increase from 2014 goes. 18 to 29 year olds increased in voter uh, turnout during early and absentee by 361 percent over 2014. Um, wow. How, how many? 361 percent. Wow. Whereas uh, 30 to 39 year olds, they were up 243 percent. Now, again, every age group went up as compared to 2014, but uh, 65 and older, for example, they only went up 77 percent. Make of all of that what you will, but one thing that we should know is that election officials should have been able to anticipate the turnout that is being seen on Tuesday. Huge uh, early voting numbers uh, should have predicted to what we are now seeing, long lines on Election Day itself. We predicted it here on this show. I don't know why people whose job it is to predict such things like election officials couldn't have figured this out. Long lines are being reported all over the country on Tuesday. Once again, we have seen this, of course, in many elections, many presidential elections in particular. And we're seeing it again on Tuesday. Also, once again, voting system failures are exacerbating the, uh, the that problem of waiting in line in many areas of the country. Not that those problems could have been predicted either, right? <laughs> that would have required, I don't know, reading bradblog.com or listening to the broadcast for the past 15 years or so. But who wants to do that? <laughs> 
So even as Election Day voting uh, continues, as we go to air today, I want to hit some of the just some of the reported problem spots that have been uh, reported so far on Tuesday. These are just some of them. And remember, as I always caution, it often takes time like days and weeks, even months, sometimes even years before problems and their full extent can be determined or even often discovered, especially when it comes to questions about counting. But before the counting begins, at least for Election Day votes, early and absentee ballots are already being tallied by computers as we speak. I want to hit some of the areas where voting uh, voters are encountering problems at the polls, which is a lot of areas. Thanks in uh, no small part to uh, problems with voting and e electronic poll book system failures that we had warned you would be coming. And in many cases, just lousy planning by election officials. Not necessarily nefariously, but the effect is the same on the voters as if it were nefarious. Whether there was suppressive intent or not, that is what is happening. Some of these problems uh, may come up again or at least may be important uh, should results in a lot of these jurisdictions prove to be close or questionable. So. I just want to get some of them on record here so you'll at least be familiar with them when we start discussing tallies in the days ahead. Also, by the way, uh, speaking about concerns and questions regarding tabulation, we'll be joined momentarily by journalist Lulu Freistat with a report out of the counting room in Dallas County, Texas, where there are some serious concerns that have already arisen regarding the tabulation of the U.S. Senate race between Senator Ted Cruz and Dem his Democratic challenger Beto O'Rourke today, including for some reason Wi-Fi reported in the counting room. But first, uh, let's go to New York here. A ton of folks today were reporting that ballot scanners in New York City we're not working in many precincts across uh, the city on Tuesday. The good news, at least in New York City, voters can vote anyway in those precincts because they use hand-marked paper ballots, which can be tallied later, even if the computer scanners go down. The bad news is that long lines uh, waiting to run ballots through whatever working scanners uh, were existing in the precincts Many of them were not working in like certain precincts had none of them working at all. In those cases, voters were asked to leave ballots in locked emergency ballot boxes in the event that ballots could not be scanned at all because people couldn't wait in the lines for the one existing non-broken scanner or if there was no scanners at all. But asking them to do that can be unnerving for many voters. For good reason. Voters who are used to scanning their ballots before they leave. Oh, just drop it off here in this box. I'll hold it for you. That can be quite troubling. Uh, Jasmine Hughes reported on Twitter at her uh, polling place in New York City at PS22 that none of the scanners were working. She says she finally made it inside and it was a madhouse inside the precinct, totally disorganized, overcrowded, not a single scanner working. People are dropping ballots into boxes, which are being guarded by a single cop. She said she wasn't sure if they were jammed or not. All the screens were on, but none were accepting ballots for some reason. The Board of Elections employee was going through the ballot boxes right now, as she tweeted today. Uh, Hannah Georges uh, said one of the three 
Scanners at her precinct at PS-167 was down. Christy Weber said none were working at PS-52 in Queens. She says that's the second time this has happened since she moved to Jamaica, Queens three years ago. The other time was the 2016 presidential primary. Divadana said one of three were working in Crown Heights at her precinct. Zoe Schlanger said two out of four were broken in Flatbush. Maggie Wagner in Manhattan um, there were, or said, okay, Wagner, this was a polling place uh, in Manhattan, had seven scanners. Four to five of them were broken. She says it took her 90 minutes to vote, and it was completely packed, full boxes, a lot happening in any event. She says everyone showed up, and she was happy about that. I guess there is a uh, an upside to all of this. People are do seem to be turning out. I'm worried about those people who get turned away, however. Who can't wait in line for yep. three hours because they have kids to pick up or jobs to get to. There are uh, reports in precinct after precinct in New York uh, City on and on similar reports about similarly f- failed scanners and long lines at polling places across New York City. Uh, New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson said, uh, tweeted, voting should not be this difficult. The Board of Elections in New York City has had all year to prepare for this day. Bad weather and high turnout are no excuse when we have forecasts for both, he said. He called on Michael Ryan, the executive director of the City Board of Elections, to resign. He said we need a top-to-bottom review of what went wrong today. That was New York City. Meanwhile... Uh, down in Georgia, who could have guessed there would be problems down there <laughs> where they use 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems and electronic poll book systems called express poll systems in order to check voters in and create the cards that voters must then insert into those touchscreen uh, systems. Well, in Gwinnett County, Georgia. A very diverse county. It went for Hillary Clinton by six points back in 2016 in Georgia. It may sound familiar to listeners because that was the county where election officials were rejecting absentee ballots from African-American voters at an extraordinary rate. At least until a federal court last week ordered the state to change its signature matching practices in order to uh, give voters a chance to cure any uh, ballots that election officials believed had signatures that didn't match the uh, the ones on file for the voters. Well, in Gwinnett County today, huge lines to vote developed very quickly when the uh, express poll machine, that's the electronic poll book, apparently stopped working. So voters could not be checked in to vote. On a voter uh, named Ontaria reported from the polls via Twitter that polling machines are down in Gwinnett County. Volunteers say they've never experienced this before. The ballot card machines, that's the express poll ebooks, uh, aren't working. Uh, we've been offered paper ballots. Majority of the line has been here since 7 a.m., she wrote. But those paper ballots at Georgia precincts are apparently not regular paper ballots. They're not emergency paper ballots that are cast no matter what, but they are instead provisional ballots, which are easier to toss out than normal ballots are. So after Ontario contacted 866-OUR-VOTE, which is run by the National Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, she was instructed to try whatever she could to vote on a normal, not provisional ballot. 
even if that meant voting on Georgia's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. Well, four hours later, four hours later, she posted an update. She says, after waiting four hours and being encouraged not to use provisional ballots, the express poll machine is now up and working. And then in another update, she reports, after four hours and 45 minutes, I finally voted. Mm. She said, we stayed in line. Machines are up. Stacey Abrams will get this vote today. She's referring, of course, to the very close dead heat election reportedly for governor between the secretary of state in uh, uh, Georgia, Brian Kemp, the Republican who is overseeing his own election for governor against Stacey Abrams, the African-American Democrat. Kemp, of course, has been accused of all forms of voter suppression in recent weeks and months. Ontario notes that she had to wait that long because she could not come back later due to work, but she says that she believes others left with the intention of coming back, whether they will or not, who knows. A later report on Tuesday said that Gwinnett discovered that the uh, problems was because those express poll machines were not plugged in. They ran out of batteries and they may not have been uh, supplied with either enough power cords or long enough ones. I'm not exactly clear, but once they got power cords out there, voters were able to vote again. However, the lines were still long even after they were able to correct that problem. Uh, at And it wasn't just Gwinnett County at an at a. Atlanta precinct, that's uh, Fulton County, Tom Regan of WSB-TV was reporting that hundreds of voters in an African-American precinct there in Atlanta were standing in line for hours this morning in southwest Atlanta because there was only three voting machines. What's going on here, he asked. Well, that's a good question. A good question for Republican Secretary of State and gubernatorial candidate Brian Kemp. Two hours later, Regan reported that election officials had added five more voting machines to the only three that were there. And remember, because it's Georgia, because they don't let you vote on paper, they force you to vote on a voting machine. That meant people had to wait until there was a free voting machine on which to vote. And there was only three of them supplied there. They finally added, hours later, five more, but there were still long waits to cast ballots. Uh, Regan uh, talked to voters there. Here's, uh, here's what one of them had to say about this impossibly long wait for many voters. How long have you waited in line here this morning? About three and a half hours. And have you decided you can't stand it? You can't take it anymore? Are you going to go home? Come I'm, back? I'm hurting. I'll be back. i got to go take some medicine. Then I'll be back. I have. That was just thing. one voter. Yeah, a little, little elderly woman. She had, to, she had to leave and come back to go wait in line again. Uh, yes, maddening. Maddening. Uh, and then there are problems with the voting machines themselves. Down in uh, South Carolina, election officials are reminding all voters to carefully look over their review screen before casting their final ballot. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? They use 100% unverifiable ESNS iVotronic touchscreen systems in South Carolina. Those systems have failed in election after election after election, both in South Carolina and many other states. 
The news comes after uh, there have been several reports of malfunctioning voting machines in Richland County, South Carolina. Voters are reporting that the final voting submission page did not reflect their intended vote claiming that their vote was flipped on these touchscreen systems. News 19 reached out to the Richland County election director who says they believe the problems were caused by a calibration issue with the voting machines. In other words, the way the touchscreens are calibrated to work or not. The uh, elections director, Roki Suleiman, said uh, no one had their vote switched. But if the touchscreen calibration was off, it could make an unintended selection. That would, of course, be your vote being switched if you didn't happen to notice it. He says that's why voters need to carefully review their final selection page before hitting the uh, cast ballot button. After this uh, problem, the uh, Suleiman said that the issues were another symptom of aging voting equipment. Mm. I would reply that no, it's not aging voting equipment. It's crappy, bad voting equipment where these failures have occurred in every election since they were purchased over a decade ago. They went into service down in South Carolina in 2006. We've been reporting on votes flipping like this and election officials uh, pretending at first for years. They said, oh, that didn't happen. The, uh, the the voter is imagining it. And then they finally admitted, oh, well, yeah, maybe it is happening. It's only a problem with uh, the calibration on the screen. Or maybe the voter has long fingernails. They're accidentally touching the wrong place. Now they can just say, oh, it's aging voting equipment. Give us more money so we can buy more of these crappy systems. Technicians, and this, this story actually gets more disturbing to me. Technicians tell News 19 that it is typical for voting machines to get recalibrated two or three times a day on Election Day. They say they often recalibrate the machines before each rush around 7 a.m. and then at noon and then at 5 p.m. But they say that higher than normal turnout has caused them to recalibrate these machines earlier than normal. Here's the deal. They should not be recalibrating these machines in the middle of an election. They should be taking them out of service when they, when they flip. They should not be going into the administrative portion of these systems while the election is live and punching a bunch of buttons. That's a great way to, frankly, steal an election. It allows mischief. They should be pulled from service instead, taken out of commission. They should not be messed with on their administrative screen in the middle of an election. That's insane. South Carolina, Richland County. There were uh, there were other problems with flashcards and cords and non-functioning outlets. One caller told um, News 19 that she attempted to correct her vote several times to no avail. She asked a poll worker for another machine and was able to cast her vote there. But I guess that bad machine that she couldn't use stayed in service. Or maybe they just recalibrated it. And who knows what they did while they were in there doing that. So please, people, report all of these problems to 866-OUR-VOTE, even if you were able to vote. Call them, 866-OUR-VOTE, so they can keep a database of these problems for use later, whether it's during the counting or whether it's during the uh, lawsuits that could ensue in the days ahead. Meanwhile, across the border in uh, North Carolina, where they mercifully use hand-marked paper ballots in many jurisdictions, unlike in South Carolina, 
Uh, precinct after precinct was reporting that uh, the, the paper ballots wouldn't go through the scanners. First, the state said it was due to high humidity levels reported in Wake County at some polling sites where they don't have air condition. Huh, who could have predicted high humidity levels in North Carolina? And frankly, why would they use a system that is so sensitive to humidity in the first place if that is what the problem actually is? Wake County Board of Elections director said there's actually nothing wrong with the current tabulators, but um, due to the humidity and the length of the ballots, there could be a problem. They are apparently 17 inches in length. That's the longest ballot that they have ever had. They have a whole bunch of really obnoxious ballot measures on the ballot in North Carolina, you know, stuff to make it still harder to vote in the state of North Carolina. And that is apparently causing problems for North Carolina's um, uh, voting systems. That and the humidity. And of course, once again, they're telling people, oh, well, yeah, it's uh, having trouble being scanned. They're scanning it time and time again, trying to get it through the machine. The machines are rejecting it. People who have voted there for many years using these same machines. And they're being told, well, then don't worry about it. Just leave it in the ballot box, the emergency ballot box. We'll scan it later when we have time. That seems troubling. Moving out to Kansas and Missouri, where the KC Star reports higher voter turnout than expected is causing problems in Kansas and Missouri. Many are facing problems at polling locations across the Kansas City area. Kansas City, of course, goes across both Missouri and Kansas. Among the problems are broken voting machines, confusion over voter ID law, and at least one polling location using the wrong ballots entirely. Oh, my goodness. All of which have been exacerbated by long lines. And I don't know if it's fair to call it confusion over the voter ID law, but election monitors have received numerous reports across Missouri that poll workers are wrongly telling voters that they need to present a photo ID when, in fact, they do not. Voters in Missouri do not need to present a photo ID. They can present another form of ID, like a voter registration card, but they are being told otherwise at a number of precincts across the state. Those aren't the only problems going on in Kansas and Missouri, where they have a very uh, tight reported election uh, for governor between Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach, the Republican who is overseeing his own election for governor, this year in what is uh, predicted to be a very close race with Democrat Laura Kelly and an independent candidate in that race, Greg Orman. Chris Kobach, of course, is a uh, Trump-loving, Trump-endorsed uh, GOP voter fraud fraudster himself, and he's overseeing his own elections. Problems elsewhere in Alabama, in North Dakota, in uh, Detroit, Michigan, Indiana, Arizona, but I ain't got time to cover them. Those are just some of the issues that we know about from throughout Election Day reporting earlier today. Uh, there are going to be more to come. As noted, uh, more problems will be surfacing in the hours and the days ahead, including in the counting rooms on Tuesday night and on Wednesday. As noted, sometimes it takes a long time, months, for problems to surface. One such case is in Texas, where right now there are concerns about results that will be tallied tonight, 
as based on problems that occurred months ago in the state's March primary, which we are only now learning about. Take a quick break here and we'll come back with election integrity journalist and filmmaker Lulu Freistadt, who joins us next to discuss uh, both what happened in March and what is happening right now in the counting rooms in Dallas County, Texas. A breaking story. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Yeah, the waiting is uh, a hard part for a lot of voters all across the country today as uh, voters are waiting in ridiculous, obscene long lines to try and simply cast their vote. That uh, could be the hardest part. Then again, the hardest part could be actually counting the ballots once polls finally close on Tuesday. But even before Election Day polls closed across the country on Tuesday, concerns about tallies all over the country, as usual, are already cropping up. One such state where concerns have been surfacing in recent days is the great state of Texas, which uh, had a much-watched U.S. Senate election between Republican incumbent Ted Cruz and popular upstart challenger Democratic Congressman Beto O'Rourke on the ballot on Tuesday, with O'Rourke far outraising the Republican senator in a state that Democrats hope to see turn blue either on Tuesday or in the coming years. But uh, already during early voting in Texas, we've talked about reports that have surfaced about votes flipping to Ted Cruz on Democratic state uh, straight party ticket votes that were cast on a number of 100 percent unverifiable computer voting machines made by Hart InterCivic, which is an Austin based company. And those machines are used across many of the states. Uh, I'm sorry, many of the counties in uh, in the state, some of the largest counties. But back in March of this year, during the primary elections for this contest, there were questions about the tabulation of votes, even on paper ballots as used in Dallas County, Texas, but tabulated by counting computers made by the nation's largest voting system vendor, ESNS. Sadly, those paper ballots, when they're counted by computers, are rarely verified by anyone to determine whether the computers counted them accurately or not. Journalist and filmmaker Lulu Freistadt reports that questions persist regarding the tabulation of those primary ballots, even as voters were voting in the general election on Tuesday. She writes about this today at truthout.org. And she cites an October press release by the election integrity group True Texas Elections, which reports that for reasons that are still unknown, Dallas County reported 371 more ballots cast 
than voters who actually voted in the county's Democratic primary, where more than 133,000 Texans voted last March. Other tabulation concerns have perplexed voting systems experts, examining thousands of lines of log files produced by the county's voting systems after that primary, including, for example, one Dallas precinct where more than half of 393 voters did not cast a vote at all, reportedly, in the Senate race. That's odd. In another precinct, 163 voters were said to have signed in to vote, but 302 votes were reported as tallied, almost twice as many as the number of voters who signed in. In another precinct, 112 voters somehow managed to cast 186 votes, and in still another, 55 voters were so enthusiastic that they cast 119 votes somehow. Of course, these problems could be fraudulent ballot stuffing, but computer voting systems experts also suggest that the problem could be related to the county's tabulation computers. Log files show, for example, the line, votes exceed ballots, repeated over and over and over again in these log files more than 3,000 times. Oddly enough, none of this seems to have been investigated by Dallas County election officials who who have made it difficult for election integrity groups to examine voting and counting system logs to determine what the problem might actually be. And, of course, that also leads to concerns about tabulation for the much-watched general election on Tuesday. Today, according to Freistat, who will join us in a moment, observers have reported to her that at least one computer in the Dallas County counting rooms appear to have a Wi-Fi connection for some reason. Here's her report. The way Texas works, you have to have a, an official watcher down at the central counting station that's appointed by a candidate that's on the ballot. That's Dr. Laura Presley, an engineer with a Ph.D. in chemistry and physics. She worked for years as a device engineering manager in the semiconductor industry, and she's the founder of a nonpartisan group called True Texas Elections. And that group is monitoring elections all across the state, focusing especially on electronic voting machines and tabulators. Watchers have observed that there is a voting system computer in the central counting station. And it has Wi-Fi capability, and it had Wi-Fi connectivity. Texas law mandates that no voting system is ever connected to the Internet at any point, either when votes are being cast or when they're being counted. That's because, as Brad blog audiences are well aware, Wi-Fi and Internet connectivity are some of the easiest ways for malware to be introduced onto a voting machine, and the voting machine could then infect other machines and the tabulator itself. But if a Wi-Fi signal is in the tabulating room, the malware could get onto the system that counts the votes quickly and easily, bypassing all the other steps and rapidly changing the results of an entire county. Did they take pictures of it? You're not allowed to take pictures uh, within the central counting station, no. But I know at least one talked to me personally about it. Since no photos could be taken in the room, one observer took a photo of the Wi-Fi signal outside the room and provided it exclusively to me. It shows a strong signal. And emails were being sent from that computer. Emails would also seem to be prohibited by the Texas Code, which requires that all software loaded on a voting system computer be certified by the Texas Secretary of State. 
you know, the election code is really clear. There are really no restrictions on uh, election watchers, except, you know, they, they, they can't be disrupted. Despite that, Presley claims that volunteers from the group are not being allowed to observe all aspects of tabulation. We've had multiple examples of physically the computers being blocked. Someone put a piece of paper over a, a computer screen. We've had computer screens being kind of lowered if you can't see what's going on. We are very concerned about that. As well, they should be. That's journalist Lulu Freistat reporting exclusively on this today for the broadcast with more at truthout.org today. Lulu Freistat is an Emmy Award-winning and Edward R. Murrow Award-winning journalist and documentary filmmaker. She received a Best Documentary Award for her first feature-length documentary, Hollerback, Not Voting in an American Town. Full disclosure, I appear in that film, but I recommend it anyway. She has also produced election coverage for MSNBC and uh, worked with CBS Evening News and Good Morning America. And she joins us now for more on this report. Lulu Freistat, welcome back to the broadcast. Great to be with you again, Brad. Thank you for that report. Do we know what computer that this was specifically that uh, Dr. Presley is is heard uh, speaking about? Or is, is this a is this a counting computer in the Dallas County counting room or is this someone's laptop? Do we have any idea yet? said specifically that it is a voting systems computer. And I just want to be clear because the I'm I'm covering two elections here in this report. Mm-hmm. So I want to be very clear about the difference. Um, what the, the she is working with a team of observers with her group called mm-hmm. True Texas Elections. And those observers were looking over the election results in the March primary and they are also down there now observing mm-hmm. very carefully. One, and one of the reasons that they're there observing so carefully in this general election is because they were alarmed by what they found in the primary. Mm-hmm. So there's two, there's, there's a report basically from two different elections in Dallas County. The Wi-Fi is from, I guess, yesterday, because mm-hmm. uh, she called me about it last night. And the, there's a Wi-Fi signal in the entire tabulating room. That is very, very distressing because as people are now starting to become aware, I think it's very hard for the public to really get this around their brain, like to really let it sink in. We are all used to connectivity all the time. We have the Wi-Fi on our phones and on our computers and on our devices, and we are just just submerged in Internet connectivity, but it is not okay for it to be around voting machines and tabulators because that is the easy one of the easiest ways for election results to be hacked. And so there are usually very very clear laws regarding internet connectivity or Wi-Fi in a tabulating area and that is the case in Texas they have laws that forbid Wi-Fi or internet connectivity in the tabulating area but despite that we have a photo showing not one but multiple strong Wi-Fi signals right outside the room. And that Wi-Fi was in the room, but they're not allowed to take a photo in the room, so they took the photo right outside the room. And by the way... 
Yeah, yeah, and I think we're going to have the photo up at truthout.org so people can go there to see the photo. Yeah, and I, uh, it, it, it troubles me a great deal, by the way, that there are no photos allowed from inside the counting room. I know other states have no problem with that, with observers, as long as they're orderly, inside the counting room, photographs, etc. So that alone troubles me. But thank you for clarifying uh, that we're essentially talking about two different issues. Whatever happened in the March uh, primary months ago, and I always warn people that it takes a while, sometimes months, uh, you know, before concerns and problems uh, reveal themselves about these elections. And uh, whatever is going on right now, as they're counting early and absentee ballots in uh, in Texas, and then uh, election day ballots uh, once polls close in Texas, two different stories. And yet, one wonders if one has something to do with another. So I'm glad that. Actually Actually, you're covering both of these at the same time because there's unanswered questions in both. What do the um, I know that this is sort of just breaking here. Uh, what, what have you been able to receive as far as responses go uh, concerning the fact that there is Wi-Fi in the counting room for some reason from election officials or from uh, from the voting system vendors? I have I have not asked about that Wi-Fi signal uh, yet. I did a lot of investigation in terms of the what happened in the March primary. Mm-hmm. I just found out yesterday about the Wi-Fi signal. So I know what uh, Dr. Presley told me is that her observers are going to be reporting that to the Secretary of State, and I know she just literally about half an hour ago released a, a press release about it. So I think that they are trying to get the word out mm-hmm. to the state officials that they're concerned about it. There are uh, ESNS earlier this year actually was revealed to have lied to the New York Times uh, reporter Kim Zetter about the fact that, yes, they use cellular modems in many of their voting systems around the country. They're uh, voting in tabulation systems, but uh, they lied to the New York Times about that. They told the truth about it, apparently, to Senator Ron Wyden when he asked about the same issue, though it's still unclear where exactly those cellular modems are. And I don't know if that has anything to do with your report here uh, Lulu, but is there any legitimate reason that either you or Dr. Presley, uh, who you uh, spoke with for your report there, uh, have been able to come up with for Wi-Fi being used in a or on a tabulation room computer? You're not supposed to have Wi-Fi. End of story. You're not supposed to have Wi-Fi near the voting machines, and I think they're gonna they're gonna try to track that. I think that Dr. Presley, who I have to say is a of an election security advocate. She just really mm-hmm. gets in there and gets her teeth in, and I really um, admire her perseverance. Uh, I think they're going to try to track that down and figure out what that's all about. But I do just want to kind of roll into an overview mm-hmm. and the, just kind of pull out. The big picture here is that there are consistent problems in Dallas County, Texas. We're talking about the same county in March, and then, you know, in that county in the general election now, which Mm -hmm. has been the early voting leading up today and then today. And what we saw in March was a whole series of error messages in this audit log that they put out. There were over 3,000 error messages that said um, uh, the error message is votes exceed ballot. Mm -hmm. And that particular error message is listed in the ESNS manual as an error message that would... uh, shut down that precinct. So their manual says on page 347, suspend a precinct. 
if the number of votes in any contest exceeds the number of ballots cast, and it specifically lists that error message. Hmm. But ESNS's response in an email to me was to say, votes exceed ballots isn't always indicative of an issue or error. <laughs> now, <laughs> okay, now I have to say that the, the messages, the, the responses that I get from ESNS, who keep in mind is the largest vendor mm -hmm. of voting systems in the entire country, yeah. as something I know you know, um, their responses tend to be so disingenuous that I really cannot take them seriously anymore. So, for example, when I did my report on the M650 after DEF CON, which showed that the machine could be hacked in a, a minute and that that vulnerability had been there since it had been a known vulnerability since 2007, they said, well, that machine is never out of the hands of election officials even though there's thousands and thousands of people who are not election officials who have access to that machine. So it, their, their responses in general are so far removed from a real-world security perspective that one, one really cannot take them seriously anymore. They are yeah. very... I just consider them very disingenuous. Well, yeah, and uh, not to mention the fact that uh, whether there are election officials or not, or voting system uh, contractors uh, like those folks who work for ESNS, the public still needs to oversee what even those people do, uh, you know, when it comes to our what used to be our public elections uh, privatized by companies like ESNS and uh, counties like Dallas County, who seem to be cool with these kind of problems, even months later, having no actual explanation for what happened in a crucial primary election back in March. Lulu, uh, thanks for staying in touch uh, as this uh, story and, and as I'm guessing a whole bunch of other stories will be moving forward in the days ahead. And as tabulation gets underway in all 50 states, you're uh, probably going to be very busy. Yeah? I will. Thank yeah. you so much. I want to just leave with one positive note because sure. I know I tend to really harp on you know the problems with the elections. But one thing that's great here is that you have this group, True Texas Elections, and it's run by an incredibly competent woman who has a great deal of knowledge about computer computers and computer security. She holds four patents, mm -hmm. and she's organized an entire team of volunteers who are observing elections all across the state, and they are really looking in as many counties as possible at the voting machines, at the tabulation process. They are going through audit logs, and this is what's happening all over the country. People are organizing. They're saying, we want to oversee these elections. We want to know what's happening. They're getting in there. They're using the skills they have to find the data they need, and turn our elections around. And that, I have to say, is really heartening. Laura said that because she thinks she thinks that because they did that intensive observation in March, they are seeing much many fewer error messages in today's observations. They actually didn't see any error messages today. So she thinks that the observations are helping, they're, they're working, and that the more people get involved and keep looking Every, you know, down to the nitty-gritty, what's going on in your elections. It's helping folks. Keep it up. And I want to end on a positive note. And thanks so much for all the work you've done on this, Brad. You're a hero. Well, thank you. Uh, and back at you, Lulu. Uh, yeah, the more eyes on this, the better. And Dr. Presley has been great. We've had her on this show uh, as people are waking up and understanding these elections are not going to oversee themselves. It is up to us, we the people. Thanks for your good work, uh, Lulu. I know you're going to be busy. I hope to hear from you again in in the near future actually i sort of hope i don't but i think you know i think you know what i mean there uh, <laughs> i know and you can follow me on twitter at lulu fryer 
Freistat, F-R-I-E-S-D-A-T. My website is hollerbackfilm.com. Sign up for my email list there. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you, Lulu. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay, well, I'm glad she ended, uh, or at least tried to end, on a positive note there. Yeah, does, I do appreciate that. Because I have not been very positive today. I'm sorry. I know it's a great day. We're finally responding to our national emergency, our Donald Trump GOP national emergency. But boy, when voters can't vote or they get turned away from the polls for any reason... Uh, it makes me very unhappy. Of course, that is the case pretty much every two years when I am very unhappy when this happens. But we keep trying. We keep pushing forward to make this finally a good election system that we can have in every state. Yeah. Good luck. The fight now is to continue to uh, oversee the results somehow or another, as I suspect the nightmares will continue. But uh, thanks, Lulu, for at least some good news there. All right, got to get out and back to, with the Green News Report. That'll cheer me up. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Five major corporations now control more than 80% of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. There's got to be a morning after <laughs> If we can hold on back. through the night Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman for bradblog.com. Yes, we will have uh, results on our next thrilling Bradcast, or at least reported results, what we know of them, and no doubt more problems with the uh, voting systems reported. That will be on our next uh, Bradcast, in theory, any reason why we're playing a disaster movie uh, music there? That's Poseidon. I was more interested in the there's got to be a morning there's after. There's got to be. There's got is, to be. That is Poseidon Adventure, yes, right? Yes, it is. All right. Uh, well, speaking of disasters, Desi Doyen, uh, I guess we ought to get to it. Our latest Green News Report. You can't escape it. Everybody has to breathe. New study finds 90% of the world's children breathe highly polluted air. Plastics can be found almost anywhere. Yep, plastic pollution is everywhere. And now, even in human waste. Supreme Court allows kids' landmark climate trial to proceed. That's good. Plus... We have uh, made a very firm decision not to go forward with coal. The World Bank finally ditches coal because renewables are cheaper. That's good, too. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. They wouldn't need coal if they could run the red states on hypocrisy (laughs) (laughs) true but you'd still have that hot air problem this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen, I don't know how it happened I didn't imagine I would be saying these words anytime soon but 
Good news from the U.S. Supreme Court. (laughs) Yeah, that's a switch. The United States Supreme Court has rejected a request by the Trump Department of Justice to dismiss the landmark climate civil rights lawsuit brought by a group of 21 children and young adults seeking to force the federal government to take action to address climate change. The kids allege that the government's failure to act violates their constitutional rights to life and liberty. Now, the high court said that halting the trial is not necessary because the government can still petition the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals for review. Now, the trial had been scheduled to start last week in a federal court in Oregon. Now it is unclear when or if it will actually proceed. So in theory, it gets rescheduled, it gets underway, but the government can also petition the lower court to stop this trial that they don't want to have at all costs. Exactly. Meanwhile, more than 90% of the world's children breathe air that is so polluted it puts their health and cognitive development at serious risk. That's according to a new report published by the World Health Organization. That's about 2 billion children. The new report estimates that in 2016 alone, more than 600,000 children around the world died from lower respiratory infections that were caused by air pollution, primarily in developing countries like India. However, the report also found that even in High-income countries like the United States, more than half of children under five are exposed to air pollution levels that exceed the WHO's air quality guidelines. So the kids are suing about climate change. Maybe the kids should sue about just regular old pollution as well. A second study, this one out of China, has linked exposure to toxic air pollutants to an increased risk of developing autism. It found that kids exposed to some toxic air pollutants were up to 78 percent more likely to develop autism spectrum disorders. It's the first study to examine the effects of long-term exposure during the early life of children in a developing country, and it adds to previous research that has already linked prenatal air pollution exposure to an increased risk of autism spectrum disorders. In children. A different kind of pollution, plastic pollution, is growing exponentially, and a new study for the first time has found tiny, tiny particles of plastics, called microplastics, in humans, specifically in their poo. In an extremely small pilot study, the intrepid researchers found tiny plastic particles and plastic fibers in the stools of eight people who provided samples, meaning that they ingested the microplastic and whatever chemicals might be along for the ride. University of Toronto ecologist Chelsea Rothman told National Geographic, quote, it shows we are eating our waste. Mismanagement has come back to us on our dinner plates. Wow. So plastic is everywhere. It's in the oceans. It's on the land. It's in the fish. And now it's in the human beings. It's in us. Yes. But some good news. The European Parliament has overwhelmingly voted for a wide-ranging ban on single-use plastics to address that scourge of global plastic pollution. The EU will phase out the top 10 single-use plastic products most often found in the ocean by 2021 and has set a target of recycling 90% of all plastic bottles by 2025. Wow, nice to have a government that actually tries to, you know, do something for its own people. Isn't that nice? It's unusual. Yeah. Finally, the World Bank has rejected coal. The International Development Bank, which provides poor nations with low-cost infrastructure loans, has announced it will no longer finance the construction of any coal plants anywhere in the world. Why did it take so long for the World Bank to finally end its financial backing of coal? At the Civil Society Conference last week, World Bank President Jim Yong Kim explained. We have uh, made a very firm decision not to go forward with a coal power plant. 
because we're required by our bylaws to go with the lowest cost option. And renewables have now come below um, the, the cost of coal. So without question, we're, we're not going to do that. Wow. So wind, solar, all of that is now cheaper than coal. There you have it. Maybe there is a war on coal and maybe we're all winning. Just maybe. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Yeah, well, that may or may not prove to be overly optimistic uh, when it comes to coal and <laughs> when it comes to uh, the election results. Well, which... you know, I always take optimism. I think optimism is more effective and useful than pessimism. That's what you say. I don't know. Maybe on air you're optimistic. <laughs> uh, you're doing a lot of grousing when we're not on air, I'll say. And me too, by the way. But we'll see. Grouserific. Uh, yeah. We will see what uh, happens tomorrow uh, on uh, the next broadcast as results begin to come in. We'll see if it's a day to celebrate or to be very, very concerned or both. Boy, if this goes well for Democrats on uh, on Tuesday, I can't imagine what Donald Trump is going to do in response. Buckle up. Hope Robert Mueller has uh, unemployment insurance. Just saying. All right. Well, we will cross those bridges as we come to them in the days ahead. Until then, my thanks uh, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. To my guest today, Lulu Freistat, uh, for her report out of Texas. And uh, to all of you, if you'd like to uh, touch base with me with any problems or concerns or questions, you can always reach me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog, and all of this is made possible by you listeners who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. To help Desi and me do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves, all the warnings we have sent about all the things we have covered today, we couldn't do it without you, uh, but we do need your help. Bradblog.com slash donate. Please consider a one-time donation or, even better, a, subs a sustaining subscription of any amount you like to help us press on with this good fight. That's it. The fight will continue tomorrow. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.